This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is Peter and Tricia welcoming you today to Great News and God's Views, a half-hour weekly broadcast on Free FM 89.0, independent community media. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Today's worship theme, Christ's love and presence enable us to withstand the dangers we face. A time for anger. The words of this text cannot be read rightly unless they're shouted with sobs of great anguish. Job, the once proud and powerful man, has lost everything. The man once respected for his goodness is now regarded as a sinner through no fault of his own. His friends, who might have been expected to console and encourage him, instead accuse him of bringing misfortune upon himself through some unconfessed sin. But Job steadfastly insists that is not true. The first words of our scripture lesson are the conclusion of Job's argument for his innocence before all humankind, present and future. The last words embody his appeal to God. He insists that God will vindicate him. Job was living through a time of anger. We read from Job chapter 19, beginning at verse 23. Oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and led in the rock forever. For I know that my Redeemer liveth and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself and mine eyes shall behold and not another, though my reins be consumed within me. There are times for anger. What do we see here? Is this anger? Is this pride? Are we not supposed to just bow submissively before whatever happens to us? Are we not supposed to assume that we deserve any misfortune that overtakes us? There is an anger that arises from pride and an arrogance that refuses to repent. But is there not also a kind of self-affirmation that is part of wholeness? Is there not a kind of self-love that is a dimension of the life of love to which God calls us. It's not as right to hold on to that as it is to demand justice for others who've suffered injustice. Is there not a time for such anger? Can we recall times in our own lives when it would have been a sin for some sort just to bow submissively? When we look at the experience of the abused child or spouse, the person oppressed by injustice, the person broken by misfortune, can we not see that they have a right to their anger? In times for anger, we are wise to make our appeal to God. Job finally made his appeal to God. He said, I know that my Redeemer liveth, but in the Old Testament, God is a God who saves and his saving work is done in this world. Job puts his case before the Lord. So should we. 
Taking our anger to the Lord can change the shape in our experience. An appeal to God does not always get us the kind of instant affirmation we want for ourselves. Job was eventually reduced to shouting at a seemingly absent God and demanding a hearing. When at last God spoke to Job through the whirlwind, he humbled Job and helped him to see his troubles in the context of reality as a whole. That's something we need. But finally, God did affirm Job. God said to the adversaries who were confident in his rightness, You have not spoken to me what is right as my friend Job has. The one who dares to experience life in such depth that with anger is inevitable will finally be the one who is called friend of God. The person struggling to be free from physical, emotional or sexual abuse, the person struggling to claim personhood in spite of oppressive poverty, this person struggling to put life back together after a failure or a divorce or some other tragedy will find no easy answers. The struggling will be necessary, and so will the anger. But ultimately they can find God in that, yes, to their personhood that will enable them to go on. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. Our first music today... Joy Has Dawned, lyrics and music by Keith Getty and Stuart Townend, performed here by Keith and Christine Getty. Joy Has Dawned.
Rise of the Planet Apes is a recent Hollywood movie that depicts a fictitious world ruled by advanced apes. Through cutting-edge computer graphics, producers have created apes that possess many human-like qualities. One of the techniques they've used to make the apes more human-like is quite simple. One of the distinctive features of human eyes is our white sclera. Apes, however, do not have whites in their eyes. Their sclera is brown or black. This might sound like a subtle difference, but if an artist depicts an ape with a white sclera, they look much more human. Indeed, this technique has been used for years to indoctrinate the public with alleged evolutionary ancestors. There is no fossil evidence for eye colour. So, when an artist draws an alleged ape-man ancestor with whites in its eyes, that's purely based on speculation. National Geographic magazine has been using this trick for years. Who knows how many people have been fooled by it? To find out more from Creation Ministries International, visit our website, creation.com. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0, Independent Community Media. We continue with Blessed Assurance by Fanny Crosby. She is heralded as one of the world's most prolific and talented hymn composers. Blind from shortly after birth, Fanny nonetheless wrote 8,000 hymns. She was visiting her friend Phoebe Knapp at the Knapp home was having a large pipe organ installed. The organ was incomplete, so Mrs Knapp, using the piano, played a new melody she just composed. When Knapp asked Crosby, what do you think the tune says, Crosby replied, Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. The hymn first appeared in July 1873.
You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. How to Stand Firm in a Turbulent World. We read from 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 to verses 1 to 5. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and resulteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, Remember ye not that when I was yet with you I told you these things? <laughs> Have you ever tried to walk in gale force winds? That's what it's like to try to stand firm in our world today. There are many challenges that try to buffet us. It's difficult to keep our equilibrium. Paul brings to the attention of the Thessalonians and to our attention as well two great concepts that can help us stand firm. Paul's discussion is in the context of concerns about persecution, rampant immorality, and a coming man of lawlessness. Paul counsels them not to be overly concerned because they had a foundation in their lives that could not be destroyed. Since their battle and ours is a battle of ideas, our stability comes from remembering great ideas. We have not been thrown out into the battle with no resources. We read from verse 13... But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you have been taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Paul begins by reminding us that God took the initiative. God does not wait for us to choose him. He chose us. This choice is made evident throughout the work of the Spirit and our belief in the truth. It is the Spirit speaking through the word that we must respond to. This is the word that preachers have shared. When we respond to receive salvation from our sins and we are sanctified, that's made holy, that we might share in his glory. So there is both an earthly and a heavenly benefit to receiving God's grace. We live in a society that often devalues doctrine. This is a shame because our doctrine shapes what we are. Every doctrine has some practical application and it does matter what you believe. It's important to remember that the word gospel means good news. Preachers may tell the truth in their sermons but still not have a note of gospel in them. The gospel gives us stability in a turbulent world. We continue with verse 16. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Remember the grace you received. Evidence of the grace of God is the great love the Father has given us. This loving grace gives us encouragement in our present circumstances and an enduring hope for the future. We have a confidence that both empowers us and strengthens us to excel in word and deed. 
Grace is such a glorious concept that some people reject it because they feel undeserving. What a liberating moment it is when a person recognizes that grace is for the undeserving. That's why they call it grace. Just because we don't deserve it does not mean we can't enjoy it. This grace gives us stability in a turbulent world. Do you remember the story of the little girl who bought a pair of ice skates so she could learn to skate? As she went out to try them, she fell repeatedly. Her father, trying to be compassionate, said, Do you want to stop for now? No, came the terse reply. I didn't buy the skates to fall down. We didn't become Christians to fall. We must stand firm. We can stay firm. You are listening to Great News and God's Views on Free FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. We continue with Speak, O Lord by Keith Getty and Stuart Townsend. Speak, O Lord.
We continue with Draw Me Nearer, lyrics by Fanny Crosby and music by William Houndwain. It's been reported that the blind Crosby had a sunset described to her in words just before she wrote this hymn. Her mother once sympathised with Fanny about her blindness, but she told her mother that if she were offered the sight back that day, she would not accept it. She felt that if she had a normal sight, that she probably would not have written any of her hymns. She also noted that the first face she would see would be Jesus. Draw me nearer. This is Peter and Tricia thanking you for joining us today for Great News and God's Views on 3FM 89.0 Independent Community Media. 
89.0 is live streamed from freefm.org.nz or tune in and now on Amazon Echo devices using the FreeFM 89 Alexa skill. We would love to hear your comments on this show. We can be contacted by email at greatnews376 at gmail.com. That is greatnews376 at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. For copyright reasons, we can no longer broadcast the Unshackled series. These are recreations of true stories of how people from differing backgrounds with different problems such as drugs, alcohol or living on the streets have come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and so come to salvation. They are, however, available to be downloaded by googling Unshackled and following the prompts. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.